0: Welcome to the Harmony Church Podcast. For more information on service times, any upcoming events, or joining a life group, please check out our website, harmonychurch.nz. We really hope this week's podcast blesses you. Hooray! Oh, hallelujah! This is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Prophetic declaration. You can decide how you're going to start your day. Praise the Lord. And it's worth um, making the declaration that, hey, I'm going to enjoy today. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's actually no shame, pain, pain. Um, uh, fear, worry, anxiety, that's not what the kingdom is. The kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and it, what what is called us to live in, hallelujah, and it is what will mark us and make us different, that we'd be known by our love for each other, that we'd be known for our peace. Do you remember the story of the Moravians on the boat when the storm was threatening to kill them all? And Wesley was watching these Moravians. Does anyone, has anyone heard about that story? So Wesley was travelling back from America, I think, to England. And they were on a boat and the storm was so bad, they thought they were all going to die. And all the sailors were panicking. Everyone was freaking out. And these Moravians, with their little children, their wives, they were just worshipping God giving him thanks, praising God. They were full of peace and joy. And Wesley was so moved by their faith, by their peace in the middle of the storm that when he got back to England, he went and he found a meeting and he got saved because he had seen the real thing. And the real thing was not being moved in the middle of the storm. The real thing was manifesting supernatural peace, love, confidence in God. You know, that is our opportunity right now. Isaiah 60, arise and shine. It's the word of the Lord for the season right now. In fact, let's just read it because we can. Hallelujah. Delightful. Hey, who enjoyed Chad's message? Oh, wasn't it wonderful? I love the Bible. So that was uh, delicious. Let's just read this, Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. That is, the spotlight is on the church right now. They are watching you. The world is watching you. Whether you know it or not, they are watching you and they're watching to see how you're going to react. It doesn't mean we don't be sensible, we don't be wise, but we we need to recognize this is an opportunity. God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is going to work this for the good of the church if we'll recognize the time. Hallelujah. Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Who believes that the glory of the Lord, the will of God, is for the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea? Hallelujah. And so we, as the carriers of his light and his glory, are being called right now to make a choice. We can either tremble in fear, run and hide, and join in the narrative of the spirit of fear that is trying to deeply darken The earth, or we can arise and shine and let the good news of the gospel be known throughout the earth. We can be as the Moravians were to Wesley, a witness that the world is wanting and needing to see. Hallelujah, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm very excited. I'm so glad to be here with my husband, Tom. Stand up, baby, just so they can see how you're good looking you are. There he is. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. And um, what's the date today? 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th. Three days time. My book, uh, Supernatural Freedom is going to be uh, officially released, hallelujah! Uh, Gideon actually helped me going. Th- he went through the manuscript and helped straighten me out theologically, didn't you, Gideon? Hallelujah! And uh, so he's in the acknowledgements there. We just um, we we so enjoy robust conversation. Praise the Lord! And uh, but I'm really I'm genuinely very excited about it. It's it's practical application about how we can walk in supernatural freedom. Like, what does it look like to live not guilty? How does it feel not to be under condemnation, fear, guilt? How does it feel to experience and live in a place of genuine peace, to actually be at rest, to wake up and not feel guilty? How does it feel to be able to live with a mind that is uncluttered to live with a heart that's uncluttered and genuinely free well that's uh that's the Um, Premise of the book, so I pray that it will be a blessing to you. You can actually order it already on Amazon, so there are people getting it already. It comes out on Kindle on the 17th, but it is available, so you can order it on Amazon. Supernatural Freedom. I've got just a few of my other books out there, Living in the Miraculous, Wilderness to Wonders, and Life with the Holy Spirit, Enjoying Intimacy with the Spirit of God. And then I've got um, my current latest book, Speak Life. Um, And the heart of God is that we would learn what it looks like to be creative with our speech. That we would use our words to speak and decree and declare life. Uh, Before this book came out, I was declaring this book's a bestseller. Hallelujah. And first week it came out, it went to number one in in two secular categories on Amazon. Hallelujah. So number one new release in... What was it? Self-esteem. Hallelujah. I oh, was like, yes. And self-help. Praise the Lord. So I would go to the hairdresser and I'd, they'd say, what do you do? Well, I'm an author. Oh, what do you, Well, I, I've, I've just released a book about the power of your words. They go, oh, I really like that. You know, I read The Secret and I went, yeah, this one. <laughs> I thought, oh, I have to get that. Because when they open it up, they're going to find that speaking life is not just a formula. It's actually partnering with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And speaking from a place of intimate relationship with Him to see His life manifested uh, through our words. Amen? So that one is available. we got a bunch of those. Praise God. Thank you, baby. Hallelujah. All right, hallelujah, are you happy? Holy Spirit, come, have your way in us, Daddy, we love you, we give you worship, we give you praise, in Jesus' name, amen, hallelujah. Well, God has been doing some extraordinary things, we recently had a testimony of a man, I mean I don't quite understand this because people come up to me sometimes and they they just they forget how encouraged you are with testimonies. So I've had people you know as I've walked out of out of a church I remember walking out of a church in Augusta And a guy was just driving past in his um, convertible and he stopped his car as I was walking out of the church. He goes, oh, hey, by the way, I should tell you, last year when you were here, I had terminal liver cancer and got healed. Thanks a lot. Hey, (laughs) thanks for sharing that. That's great. Awesome. Praise the Lord. And then I was at a a business, prophetic business thing um, last year and a couple saw me. Afterwards, and in the break, they said, oh, hey, by the way, three years ago, my husband, oh, here he is. Come on over here, Ben. Hey, my husband, he went to your meeting, and, you know, he'd been for prayer lots of times because he had, at, at different places, because he had HIV, and, you know, he'd been trying all the medications, and nothing was working, and the medications were really messing with him, and um, and so you had a word of knowledge about people who had blood conditions, so um." He came forward and he said, yeah, I I didn't have a lot of faith, but I thought I'll just, you know, give it another shot. He came forward for prayer for a blood condition and he was instantly healed of HIV. The doctors completely cleared him. He's now writing a book about it. Hallelujah. How good is that? I'm like, that's awesome. Let's take a video. And and we we took a video and he gave his testimony. And then we found out that his family hadn't even known that he had HIV. (laughs) But now he's got the testimony. He's so excited. Praise the Lord. But I love hearing stories of God's healing, miraculous power. I've had the privilege of seeing the mute speak, the blind see, the lame walk. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But um, I was just—we were just sharing in the green room just before. Oftentimes, the miracle healing power of god miracle ministry healing ministry gets relegated to a bit of a boutique mentality. Oh, what do you got? You what's what's your gift? Oh, healing. Oh, good. Great. Well, I need some of that. Make you, you know. But I believe God is shifting the understanding of his people that this isn't some people have a miracle ministry. God says that these signs will follow those who Believe. Praise the Lord. Believe who? On the Lord Jesus Christ. The same works that he did and greater works will a couple do, a few special? No. Will they do? Wow. I, I was in, I, don't, I think I've shared this story before, but I was in L.A. a few years back and um, I was just wrestling with God during a meeting. I was listening to someone else preach and I was just wrestling with God saying, God, it is not too much to ask that they all get healed. That, you know, that should be normal. I know people have been wrestling with you about this for centuries. I, I, I know, but that it shouldn't be like that, God. It just should be normal that everyone get healed because everyone who came to you was healed. In the Bible, there was nobody who came to Jesus asking for help that he didn't manifest himself as the answer to. Whether they needed a dead person raised, wine for the wedding, healing, every single one without fail, Jesus manifested himself as the answer to. He healed all who came to him. All of them. All of them. So God That should be the norm because you said the same works you do and greater works. We have all these promises. It should be normal, God. Anyway, I was just wrestling with God. Anybody ever had a wrestle with God? He's okay with that. In fact, he likes it when we start taking his word and really waging war with it. And I walked out of the building. It was nighttime in LA and I was with a few of our pastors from um, Georgia they were with me and we walked out to the back car park and this guy in the dark while they're opening up the car this guy in the dark just walks up to me he's got walking two big dogs uh, and uh, he walks uh, straight up to me in the dark while I'm waiting and says pick a number between 1 and 22 I said hi hi I'm Catherine what's your name he says oh Michael pick a number between 1 and 22 And he seemed a little impatient with me even asking what his name was. He just, I said, "Ah, okay, Michael. And I'm thinking to myself, "Ah, are they all right? Are we okay? Uh, And I picked a number. And I don't know where he got it from, but he pulled out this big Bible. He says, I've got a verse for you. And he healed them all. (laughs) I had no idea what to say. I was just like, do you do you know who I am? Like, well, and I turned around to try and tell my friends what had just happened, and I turned back and he was gone. And it reminded me: God is more interested in this than we are. Hallelujah. So I want to challenge you. I believe in the coming days that we have a choice, and it's gonna rapidly accelerate. And prophets have been saying for You know, two years now, supernatural acceleration, divine acceleration. Well, we're seeing it in the natural. In the evil, we're seeing a divine, not a divine, a a natural, evil acceleration of fear and of that virus. But I believe that God has been declaring already the main word that's been coming out for the last two years from prophetic roundtables around the world has been acceleration. Acceleration. And I believe that if we'll get into the slipstream of hope, slipstream of life, slipstream of the will and the purposes of God, God is going to divinely accelerate people you didn't expect into the fullness of their destiny and calling. Hallelujah. That people you thought, because in our heads, sometimes we get this idea of, you know, If you really plug away at it and you're really spiritual, you know, one day you'll start to manifest miracles. I think we're going to be very shocked as people that you've not judged as highly spiritual suddenly just gripping a hold of truth and saying, yes, yes, God, bang, manifesting miracles, healing the sick everywhere they go. Hallelujah. So be very careful that you don't don't judge people too quickly because, you know, it could just be the believer sitting next to you that is being called on to go and heal the sick everywhere because of the track record they're having of the miracle testimonies that are coming out. Amen? You and me. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20. Proverbs 18, verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Who believes this? Bible, guys. (laughs) Let me just read it again. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. That is, you will eat your words. You will have what you say. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I believe right now more than ever, the believers need to be known for speaking life. We need to be those who are bringers of hope, bringers of life, bringers of truth. You know, and, and we need to be so careful with our words. As as someone who, who loves the prophetic, I I understand the value of our words. And I'm I'm pretty pedantic. I jump on our team. Um not literally, but I, <laughs> I, I, I don't let negative prophecies come out. And you might. It, and, and then I'm not talking about "Thus saith the Lord" things. I'm talking about casual words, because if we as believers are created in the image of the One who created the world with His words, did God create the world with His words? Yes, Romans four seventeen. God calls those things that be not as though they are. He created with his words. He said, "Light be," and it was. Hallelujah. He cursed the fig tree. As he would speak, life and death was in the power of your of his tongue. And he says, "You're created in my image, and your words also have the power to create or to destroy." And. He called things that were not as though they were, that be not as though they are, the Bible says. So, for example, Abram. Abram, he says, hey, Abram, you're going to be the father of many nations. You are, and I'm going to call you now, Abraham, father of many nations. And I want you to use your mouth and other people around you to call you father of many nations before he actually in the natural was. So before he had the promised son, he was calling himself Father of Many Nations. I'm the Father of Many Nations. What's your name? Father of Many Nations. Is that what your parents, the name your parents gave you? No, that's God's name for me. I'm Father of Many Nations. Sarah, call me Father of Many Nations. That's my name. That's what, that's who I am. And he was. He, he partnered with God with his words. He first, God first asked him to get a picture of what it would look like. He said, now, can you count all the stars? Well, as many as the stars are in the sky. And without any electricity, they would have been pretty spectacular in those days. That's what it's going to look like. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Can you picture it? If you can see it, you can have it. Hallelujah. And they got a picture. He got a picture of it. Now, I want you to imagine all the grains of sand on the beach. Can you count them? No. That's what it's going to be like. He wanted him to get a picture in his heart, in his sanctified imagination. But then, more than that, as he could see it, he then was told to speak it, to declare it, to say it. I'm the father of many nations. You know, God is looking for people who who will be diligent with their words, who will create with their words. You know, the Bible tells us that we're to wage warfare with the prophetic words spoken over us, right? And the Word of God, I I said it last night, is an invitation. Prophecy is is an invitation, not an inevitability. People, you know, it says here that... These signs will follow those who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But not every Christian who's ever lived has experienced the manifestation of that promise. True? Why? Does that make God a false prophet? Does that make his word not true? No, the answer is no. no. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a TV and, and I don't scold you you get it wrong. So is the word of God not true just because people's experience didn't match up to it? No. So what's the problem? It's an invitation requiring a response. All of the promises. God gave the same promise to all of the Israelites. You're going to come into a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm bringing you into the promised land. You're going to inhabit the promised land. How many of the Israelites actually inherited the promise to the ones that had it spoken to them? Two. That meant all the others didn't get what God said. Is that because God is a, you know, showing favoritism or is he a false prophet? No, but only two responded to the prophetic word. And they responded in faith and they responded with their words. They said, yes, God's giving it to us. Hallelujah. And they, they believed it. And with faith and patience, they wouldn't let go. They wouldn't change the subject. This is what I believe. This is what it is. Hallelujah. And God preserved them and their strength and their youth to be able to take and inherit the promise. Hallelujah. So we need to be really careful to use this weapon of our warfare Because it is so much more powerful than we understand. So when you have a promise from God, whatever it can be, and this book is full of promises. But say you've got a a prophetic word. I remember um, back in 2011, Cindy Jacobs prophesied over me. And she said, stadiums are going to open to you. You're going to write. I see God bringing you before kings and presidents and rulers, and you're going to multiply and multiply and multiply as a Deborah of God. I was like, yeah, woohoo, good word. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what? A lot of people have received words like that, but not everybody actually sees it come to pass, and it doesn't make the prophet a false prophet. God's waiting for people who will actually partner with the word, with their words with their faith. I encourage my interns to actually walk around on the inside of their words, their promises in their sanctified imagination before they go to sleep at night. So God showed me years and years ago, visions of fireballs going out over massive crowds and the sick being healed and the people getting up and the lame walking. And so I, 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 I replay that in my mind over and over again. I, I, I picture it because if I can see it, I can have it. And I look at it and I, I think about it and then I, I let my imagination go there. I think... What's it going to be like? How am I going to manage it? Like, how are we going to do the testimonies? What's it going to sound like when the, the cripples start walking? Well, now, praise God, we've started to see that. Hallelujah. We've seen, I've, I've seen four. Hallelujah. So amazing. We saw it. Some of those that, some of you were with us in Vietnam. Where are you? Some of you? Yeah. It was cool. Eh? I was sorry. yes, Jesus. The mute speaking, the blind seeing, the, the, the cripples walking. Glorious. And I'm seeing it happen in countries all over the world. But I keep seeing it. I keep, I keep declaring it. And so I've been declaring since 2011. I, I speak in stadiums. I preach in stadiums. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I had my first opportunity, I think, um, year before last at Awakening Australia. I just spoke for like 10 minutes. And after I spoke for 10 minutes, a man came up to me and said, you need to come and speak in the stadiums in Europe. So that's what I'm doing. God willing, I am doing in May, hallelujah, in Germany and Portugal. And then again in Nashville in, in um, August. And I go, yes, God, because you said. I speak in stadiums. Praise the Lord. Thousands get saved. Thousands get healed. Now, people get people get a bit nervous, especially in Australia and, and um, New Zealand. They're like, hang on, hang on. That sounds a bit prideful, a bit skiting. Do you think that God is unhappy about the gospel being preached en masse to people? So why are we so uptight about it? Now, God in you is not dreaming of having a little life. Well, hang on, you know, don't get too carried away. Let's just get to heaven. (laughs) Christ in you is not dreaming of surviving till you get there. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, hope, or imagine. I, tu- I talked last night about turning aside when you start to recognise God doing something. Turning aside, not turning sideways. Turning aside, hallelujah. <laughs> to recognise and give your attention to it. It's the same thing with little desires that God drops in your heart. Because he gives you the desires of your heart. So let's say you're, you've got this like little thing I'd really love to see this sick healed. You don't have to tear yourself up going, is that me? Is that God? Maybe I've got a wrong motive. Maybe, I, maybe I've got a No, you died anyway. You're dead. Why are you even considering that that's a wrong motive? Is it something Jesus would do? Yeah. Then you go, oh, I think that is an oak tree and an acorn. Yeah. I think that is something God is trying to do. So, if you'll turn aside and give your attention to what God is dropping into your heart, and you'll start to focus on it, start to look at it in the Word, start to build your faith, start to open your mouth and decree it and say, I lay hands on the sick and they recover. Paraplegics walk. When I walk past them, in my meetings, the deaf hear, the blind see, the, the lame walk. Uh, I, see, um, I see limbs grow out. I see uh, diseases leave and people gloriously restored. As you start to see it and say it, you can have it. I, um, I play this game and I've, I've shared this game with you before. But Gideon and Catherine are very good at this game. Hallelujah. And I, I started this when we were, um, when I was going through a really rough time with my eldest daughter. She was away from God. And the promise of God is that all of your children are taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of your children. When you train up a child in the way, they shall go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. But it was a devastating time for me. This was not how it was supposed to turn out, not my family, you know. And so I was really, really working hard to stay out of deep discouragement and deep despair. And I still would travel and my friends who love me um, forget sometimes that I'm not really a morning person. Thank you, Chad, for doing the first session. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I'd go down to breakfast and they'd just say to me, how's your daughter doing? And I'd go, <sighs> <sighs> And after a while, I just anticipated the question before it would come. And I'd say, let's play a game. (laughs) And we'd go round and round the circle. And I'd say, "Okay, we're going to call something that is not as though it is. And Danny Silk challenged me a while back. When he turned 40, which was a while back, um, (laughs) the Lord challenged him to write down 100 dreams. And he, he was pretty good for the first 10. He came up with some spiritual ones. And he was like, gosh, what else? hundred dreams. He started to write random things down like swim with dolphins. <laughs> and then he'd travel and people would come up to him randomly and say, Oh, you've got a day off tomorrow. I was wondering if you'd like to go swimming with dolphins. <laughs> and he began to realise God quite likes it when we articulate these things. And so... We'd go round and round the circle. And we'd make declarations like, all of my children are married to godly spouses. Hallelujah. I speak in stadiums. I see spina bifida healed. I see people with AIDS getting healed. I see tumors disappearing. And we'd, we'd go round and round the circle, make declarations. And the atmosphere would shift. Before I ever wrote my first book, I was declaring, my book's a bestseller. And you know what? Praise God. My very first book, bang! Became a number one. And, um, and and my friends now, I've been doing this for like 15 years, who have journeyed, journeyed with me, they all do it too because they know the things I was declaring back then have already come to pass. Hallelujah. And I have to keep coming up with new things. Because you will eat the fruit of your words. This isn't some new age idea. This is the Bible. He says... Uh, you will eat the fruit of your lips. He says that the life and death are in the power of the tongue. Hallelujah. So I, I hear people walking around saying, I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. Or, you know, at our age, we can't... I'm like, what are you saying? Why are you doing that? Because if you, if you say and speak... What you don't want to have, you are reinforcing something with the power of your words. Your lips carry creative power. Hallelujah. And we have to be really careful to decree and declare rather than complain and, you know, criticize and despair. So we need to discipline our thoughts, we need to discipline our tongue. Psalm 25, verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, There's one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers what's coming out of your mouth is it pure and lovely and of a good report is it imparting grace to the hearers or are you reinforcing what you don't want and i hear i hear spouses talking about their husbands or their wives and they're just whining and complaining but what they're doing is they're actually reinforcing what they don't want Oh, my husband, he doesn't pray very much. He gives me no attention. He's lazy. He's this, he's that. They're, they're not changing anything with their words, but they're actually reinforcing the very thing they don't want. But when you start speaking life over your family members, what you do is you actually, instead of creating a wall of judgment for them to continually run into, you open the door for them to become who they were created to be. So when you start speaking about your children and speaking about your spouse creatively, as you start making declarations of life, you set, you, you set them free from the limitations of your expectations. Hallelujah. And the heart of God is that we would begin to speak and declare life. That's what God would do. Remember when he spoke to Gideon in the wine press? He didn't say, what you doing, you weak coward? Why are you... He said, Mighty man of valor. He spoke to him, declaring life. And God, when He looks at us, praise the Lord, born again by the blood of Jesus, He doesn't look at us and go, Pathetic, useless, hypocrite, you're not being anything like you're supposed to be, you're a great disappointment to me. He, he and, and, Perhaps you're living in a way that he would be justified to say that. But he doesn't. The Bible says that he looks at you and loves you. He looks at you and he sees you redeemed, clean, holy, the righteousness of God. He looks at you and says, mighty man of valor. He looks at you and says, oh, angels, look, isn't she lovely, holy, pure, righteous." Destined for greatness. Look at this one who speaks life. Look at this soul winner. Look at this one who is the light of the world. That's why he says, lift up your heads. Seek my face. Because when you see his face and you hear his voice, he'll remind you of the truth of what you look like. He'll remind you the truth of who you actually are. James chapter 1 tells us if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer it's because he's like a man who looked at his natural face in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. But God himself is our mirror. His word is our mirror. As we look into his face, (gasps) The Bible tells us that as He is, so are we in this world. That as we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, we have the eyes of our understanding enlightened to know the hope of our calling. The value that we have as His saints, His inheritance in the earth, and the greatness of the power toward us who believe. As we behold Him... We are reminded of our true identity. And God looks at you and says, light of the world. And as we look at his light and as we look at who he is, God, you are love. Your word says love is patience personified. Love is kindness personified. You are kindness as you are. So am I in this world. So I'm not going to look at myself and and say about myself, Oh, I struggle with patience. I'm not a very patient person. Or I'm not a very, oh, you know, I'm a very compassionate person. That is partnering with your lips with a lie. Because if you are a believer, the Bible says it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. And any word you speak about yourself that doesn't line up with the truth of who Jesus is as a believer is unbelief and deception. I'm preaching better than you're reacting. I know this. The Bible says we're supposed to take captive every thought that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of Christ. So any thought you have about yourself that doesn't line up with the knowledge of Christ needs to be taken captive cast down and replaced with truth. So say you've got a thought, oh, you know, I'm not very spiritual. I'm not in a very good place. Or, You know, I'm really not where I need to be. Oh, I'm I'm a bit pathetic. I'm a bit lazy. I'm not very spiritual. I'm not self-disciplined. You need to go, okay, Father, I'm sorry for the way that I've behaved, but this is the truth, God. Thank you, Lord, you've forgiven me. I'm clean, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm pure. As you are, so am I in this world. Lord, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Today, I thank you that I am righteous, and therefore, I manifest the fruit of holiness. Thank you, God, that you are kindness personified. Therefore, so am I. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the next person I meet is going to be impacted by the genuine kindness of Christ, because that is my DNA. That is the truth about who I am. When the enemy comes and he says, "Hypocrite, hypocrite!" you go, "Thank you, God." Ah, oh, today I reckon myself dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ. It's no longer Catherine who lives. Catherine's not on a journey to becoming like Christ. Your Word says, "As I, as you are, so am I." Hallelujah. Even if my heart condemns me, you are greater than my heart. I am not defined by my feelings, but I'm not defined by my performance. I am defined by the performance of Christ. And today I reckon myself dead indeed to sin, alive to God in Christ. And I'm going to line my thoughts up with the truth of what you say. Any thought I'm having about myself that isn't the truth about Christ needs to be taken captive Cast down and not tolerate it. If you tolerate it, it just goes and gets its friends and gangs up on you until you feel overwhelmed. <laughs> but you gotta go, I see you. I see you. Having this thought, oh, you're just weak, useless, pathetic. See, see what you did. That's who you are. You really, you know, you really got an issue, you got a problem. You gotta say. That is not the truth about Christ. I'm not going to tolerate you. This is what the Word says. The Word says it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. He says that I am the redeemed of the Lord. He says that as He is, so am I in this world. So I am not accepting that. I'm going to replace it now with the truth. What's He like? I'm going to look in the mirror. Open my Bible. Oh, what's he like? Oh, he's magnificent. He's full of power. He's glorious. Ah, oh, He's wonderful. Now, that's the truth about me because as he is, so am I in this world. That is the mirror. I'm going to remind myself. And because I'm reminding myself of the truth, I am going to manifest the truth. I'm not just a hearer, but I'm a doer because I remember what I look like. Praise the Lord. Praise God. He is a good man. He is a good God. And He tells you that as He is, so are you. Philippians 4, we all know this, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on These things, what are you meditating on? What rolls around in your brain? You know, God's looking for us, especially in this time of more information, more information, fear, here we go. God wants us not to be ignorant, but he wants us to be diligent to steward our thought life. Okay, I see what they're saying now. I'm going to meditate and think about as I go to sleep, I'm going to meditate on the truth of the word. And here's the therefore of that. (sighs) What I know and love about Jesus now is true about me. Praise the Lord. Because as he is, so am I in this world. Thank you, Lord. It's no longer Catherine who lives, but Christ who lives in Catherine. That's not theory. That's the reality. So what does that look like? What's it going to look like tomorrow when I get up and live like him. It's not an ideal I have to strive for. It's actually my DNA. This is the truth about me. Wow. Therefore, I am kind. I am patient. I am long-suffering. I always hope. Hallelujah. I believe the best, praise the Lord. I lay hands on the sick. You can take this word and Put it in your mouth, personalize it and decree it, and you will start to see it manifest in your life. Amen? We, we can't afford not to. You see, knowledge puffs up. Oop, there's a book. Someone can have that. Praise the Lord. There you go, Chad. Speak life. <laughs> but so many people know so much about this book, yet apply so little. Practical applied wisdom is the purpose of this book being given to us. That we would take it and they would therefore walk in the therefore, the therefore of righteousness, the therefore of the gift of salvation. Because he died and I have and rose again and I received him as Savior, therefore. I will discipline myself to look in the mirror of his face, to discover more and more about him, to seek his face, to know him. And therefore, as I know about him, I'm not condemned at how bad I am compared to him. I am going to step into faith that says, as he is, so am I. I have been qualified to be joined to him. Hallelujah. He has taken away my crookedness. He's made my crooked places straight. He's not remembering my sin anymore. And he he says about me now that I am as righteous as Christ, that I am the righteousness of of Christ in Jesus. I am so grateful. Thank you, God, that today I am clean, I am righteous, I am holy. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you believe you're a sinner, you'll sin by faith. It's true. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to share one more scripture with you. And then I just want to share a couple of testimonies because I want to provoke you to start applying this. Hallelujah. Shukaramasanda. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I love this. It's all good. You could read the whole book and it's delightful. Praise the Lord. Verse 4 of chapter 1. Oh, actually, no, let's go to verse 3. No, let's get to rest two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's laid a banqueting table before you saying, here it is. Pick it up. Have it. A buffet is no good unless you actually do something with it. He's laid it all out, so you've got to pick it up. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Pick it up. Put it on. It's yours. Hallelujah. Seeing that his divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these things... For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self control, in your self control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, in your brotherly kindness, love. It it seems to contradict itself in some people's mind. They go, Well, you've just been given everything, so why do you have to add to your faith all this stuff? He's simply saying, Here it all is. Make sure you taste this. This is really good. Get some of that. That's really excellent. Make sure you use this because this is all available to you. Life and death are in your power of, In the power of your tongue. This is a powerful weapon. Pick it up. Use it. Hallelujah. And then he says, I love this. Verse 8. If these qualities are yours, and are they? And are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. In other words, he's saying, if you're not manifesting all the virtues of Christ every day, all the time, it's not because you're a hypocrite. It's not because you're actually... You really are just not there yet. It's because you have forgotten what you actually look like. Book of James. You've forgotten what do you look like? I've forgotten. I've forgotten that actually I'm not dirty. I'm actually not defined by my latest sin. I'm not defined by my, my things that I did wrong. I am forgiven. He doesn't even remember my sin anymore. He has made me clean. Hallelujah. I don't practice those things anymore. This is the truth. I'm going to remind myself, oh, praise God, I was set free from me. <laughs> Hallelujah. No longer Catherine who lives. I'm going to remind myself. And when I remind myself of the truth of my freedom, when I remind myself the truth of who I am and what I look like, I will manifest all the virtues of God in my everyday life. So therefore, we open our mouths and we speak about ourselves. We don't tolerate any thoughts about ourselves that don't line up with the truth of who we've become in Christ. And we start to speak about ourselves, our relatives, our friends, our workmates, our church, our cities, as God has destined them to be. Calling those things that be not as though they are, because that is the will and purpose of God. Hallelujah. And we begin to speak it. Father, thank you. I am kindness personified. I am patience personified. I am truly a patient person. I'm a kind person. I'm so kind. I am the ki- I'm kindness personified. Because that's who God is. Hallelujah. Yay. I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I walk in divine life, supernatural health. Hallelujah. The power of God is quickening and giving life to my mortal flesh. Hallelujah. The Bible says no plague comes, nigh my dwelling. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And you begin to use your mouth to speak life. And you call those things that be not as though they are. Years ago, I was, I was doing too much in that I was worship leading, preaching, and then I'd prophesy over loud music. And I got myself a vocal nodule. And all of a sudden, my voice was like this. And I had a range about this big. And it would hurt to talk. And I was begging like this. And I went to the specialist and he looked down my nose through this thing and he goes, oh, you're a an nodule. And they sent me to speech therapy and they were talking about an operation and I was like, oh, this is awful. I'm a drama teacher. I know all this stuff. This is annoying. And, um, and it was discouraging. And I'd wake up in the morning, talk like this. And God just started to challenge, him, challenge me, call those things that be not as though they are. So I'd get up in the morning and I'd say, I have a beautiful singing voice. My voice is strong and clear. (laughs) And it would hurt to say it. But I had a choice either to get miserable and agree with what was happening or I could call those things that were not as though they were. The will of God is that I be healed. Hallelujah. We know that because he came to destroy the works of the evil one. He said to pray on earth as it is in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. Jesus healed all who came to him. We can only draw our theology from Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ never said, actually, it's really good for you to be sick, then we can't draw that as a theology. So therefore, it is the will of God for me to be healed. So I have a beautiful singing voice. My voice is strong and clear. I did that every day for about three months Three months, oh, beautiful thing. Oh, very strongly. one day after three months' time, you think, why did it take three months? I have no idea, and I'm not going to draw a theology around it. But this I know, where else am I going to go? He alone has the words of life. Yeah. If you don't quit, you win. Yeah. Three months later, bang. Never a problem again. Because I believe we create with our words. We have to be vigilant and diligent to be using our words to be creative. If you come in and you you think, "Oh, you're not happy with things in your city or in your church," be careful that you don't just say what you see. Say what God is wanting you to see. What is the will of God? Christchurch is a city set on a hill known for the love of God, known for righteousness and holiness and the preaching of the gospel. It's It's a city known for the sick being healed. It's a city known for the love of Christ and the power of God. What would happen if the people of God in this city began to see, get a vision for what God's will is for this place and began to speak it into being, calling it as it, as it, is supposed to be calling those things that be not as though they are. This is why I don't like it when people declare negative things. It's not that I'm trying to deny stuff. I'm not suggesting you go to the doctor being sick and saying, hey, dog, I'm fine, you know. You can, you can say the truth and say, yeah, I'm, I've been struggling with this. But when you walk out of the doctor's surgery, instead of going on with the self-talk, oh, I've got this problem, this... I'm really, you go, no, actually, I'm going to call those things that be not... I have a beautiful singing voice. I am healthy. My bones, my joints, my cells, my skin is full of life. I am having my youth renewed uh, like the eagle. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm well. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. The life of God flows through me because your words have power. It is greater than any medicine. So praise the Lord for medical advances. Praise the Lord for medicine. Your words. Words bring life. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Hallelujah. Your words carry life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we need to be vigilant to apply it. I've seen it happen even in marriages. As we had one lady and she was, um, she was hearing this message and she, she got so convicted because she'd realised she'd spoken about her husband um, really, really negatively. When he made some bad financial decisions, she just let him have it. You are such an idiot. You don't care about our family. You're reckless. You're useless with money. You don't even care about us. And, uh, and they ended up getting divorced. And she was hearing this message, and she just got so convicted. She thought, oh, look what I did. And she went back to him, and they were... He was starting to see somebody else. It was five years after they'd divorced. She went back to him. She said, I just need to tell you, I, I, I destroyed our marriage with my words. And I should have been supporting you. I should have been speaking life. And I'm so sorry. Forgive me. And then she went away and she just started speaking about him. He makes wise decisions. He loves me. He's a good man. They started dating again. You know, if you would start to change what is coming out of your mouth and you'd actually start to believe the Word of God, you will see things shift. You will see things change. Hallelujah. God dropped into my spirit, I think, probably 18 years ago that he wanted me to be on television. You know, and at that time, um, tele-evangelists were about as popular as used car salesmen. And I would look at them on TV and go, "Oh God, don't make me ever ask for money." That's what I used to think. I'm like, "Oh God, oh no. But I knew, I knew He was speaking to me about that, and so I began declaring, "I'm on television all over the world. People are hearing the gospel while I'm asleep. People are being saved through the television ministry. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, I declare. I, I have more than enough partners to pay for." Any airtime you want me to have, and I'm on television all over the world. I'm on secular TV. People are jumping into the boat, hearing the message of Christ, getting saved in their homes. I'm going uh, more places on television than I could ever possibly go in the natural. Thank you, Lord. I started hearing this 18 years ago before we even had a church. If you don't quit, you win. Now, praise God, we are. We're on Daystar in over 200 countries every week. We're, as I said, we're coming on Shine TV soon. And um, we're at ACC and ISN and, I mean, lots and lots of networks and being translated into different languages. And the fish is jumping into the boat. And while I'm asleep, I'm preaching the gospel in nations I've never been to. Every week. <laughs> Hallelujah. And And God is waiting for you to start responding to some of these little things He's dropped into your spirit. What's He saying to you? These aren't things that you need to go, oh, I don't know. Who do you think you are? Big noting yourself. Who do you think you are? Well, that's a really good question. Who do you think you are? It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. He dreams big dreams. Christ in you is dreaming of doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, hope, or imagine. Now, have we got any imaginative people in the room? I can imagine a lot. Exceedingly, abundantly, above is what he's inviting us into. What will you start to believe? Hallelujah. The heart of God for you is that you would start to grab a hold of it and start to declare it, to start to speak it into being. God is issuing invitations. It's all the way through this book. You could pick up any of these promises. Praise the Lord. He says, all of his promises are yes and amen in Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. I used to read some of the promises in the Old Testament, and i think, oh, it's for the righteous, rats don't quite qualify. Then I discovered, oh, actually, I'm righteous by grace through faith. Hallelujah. It's not by my works. Oh, I am righteous. If I'm a qualifier, I'm qualified for this promise. The spirit of the sovereign God is upon me. He has qualified me to preach the good news of the gospel, to set at liberty those that are bound. He has anointed me. God's waiting for you to start speaking life. He's waiting for you to start speaking words of truth, to start speaking words of life over your children, to change the way that you think, to change the way that you see, to change the way that you interact. God's calling you. To, to call one another up into higher things by speaking like he speaks to us. When you get close to God, he doesn't come and condemn you. He begins to remind you the truth of what you look like. So, our words to one another. We need to manifest what God looks like to us. As parents... Instead of being the ones who are always just correcting and criticizing, we need to start behaving like God. Speaking to our children like he speaks to us. Behaving when we see them, like God behaves when we come and seek his face. You know, the story of the prodigal son, when the father ran toward him, the moment he saw his son coming toward him, that is God's posture to us every minute we come and we say, Hey God. He's like, No, <laughs> I'm so happy to see you. You're so lovely. <laughs> that's Jesus told us that's what the father's like. Every time. Overwhelmingly happy to hear your voice. Therefore, as he is, so are we in this world. When your kids come up to you they should be encountering, oh, oh, I'm so happy to see your face. They should be encountering the very same attitude the Father has toward you. If you remind yourself of the truth of what God's like toward you, you will then be empowered to do the works of Christ and be like him to the world around you. With the love that he has for you, he's called us to love one another. I think the problem comes most of the time because we love one another like we love ourselves. And we don't love ourselves very well. We're very hard and harsh towards ourselves. Therefore, we cap our ability to love anybody else. So you need to surrender your right to self-condemnation and criticism and judgment. And go, hey, actually, no, I'm not going to do that to myself because I'm not going to cap my ability to manifest Christ to everybody else. So I'm going to agree with what God says about me. He says I'm altogether lovely. He says that even if my heart condemns me, he's greater than my heart. In other words, he's better than I feel like I deserve all the time. He's always happy to see me. He is my peace. He is my righteousness. He doesn't even remember my sins. He doesn't make me pay for my sins. He doesn't make me sit in the naughty corner. I'm forgiven. I'm empowered to sin no more. From today, I am not a slave of sin anymore. Hallelujah. I am free indeed. Praise God. And as you start to speak the truth of who you are, you will then start to speak the truth of who everybody else is around you. And you will empower them to start to hear the voice of God when they've been surrounded by the voice of the deceiver. And the entrance of his word will bring light and understanding to the simple. And they will know the truth and the truth will make them free. This is how we arise and shine. This is how we bring the good news of the gospel to a world that's desperately needing it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, my hope is that you'll start speaking life. I'm just gonna pray for a few people because I've got time to do it. Sukarema <laughs> Sunday. Who do you think you are? Really? Sum yourself up to yourself. What do you really like? What do you really like? Most people, believers, I'd hesitate to say, would be more likely to sum themselves up based on their performance than on the truth of what God says about them. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. That means in order to be who we're called to be, we have to actually apply faith. It takes faith to believe that you are not defined by your performance this week. That is, so when you now take a moment and think, what am I like? What am I actually like? God's saying, look in the mirror and remind yourself of the truth. Because if you believe that you are a slave to the sin that's been besetting you, a slave to the behaviors that you've been having going on in your life, then you will continue to be entrapped. But if instead you say, okay, no, Lord, help me. Help me. Lord, have mercy on me. Help me. Help me to see the truth. Who am I? I'm not a hopeless hypocrite I'm not an addict I'm not a liar I am not wicked and corrupt and lustful yes god I did that I'm sorry thank you lord have mercy I receive your grace but I thank you now lord you don't even remember that anymore what am I really like god i want you to just take a moment right now and think ask him what do you like what do you actually like? I get alone with God sometimes and i I always get surprised at his kindness. I've told the story that um, when my first book came out i I got this great publishing deal it was unexpected that someone because I didn't have a big platform and um and we were all the way through the publishing deal and I got a phone call from a guy a bookseller just sort of saying, oh, can you tell me a bit about your platform? And being Aussie, I just didn't say as much as I was actually doing. You know, just like, oh, I'm doing a bit of this, I'm doing that, I'm going here. And then I got an email saying, oh, we've decided to cancel your contract. Please return your advance. <laughs> I'm like, ah! And I, I wrote an email back going, I've just announced on three different continents on television that my book's coming out in April. And um, and then the the publisher... The CEO called me back. We're very sorry, Mrs. Rinaldi. You didn't tell us that you were on television on three different continents. We, we do really want to publish a book. <laughs> and then I became one of their top 30 authors. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But after, after he called, he said, now you tell us all the things you are actually doing. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm going here and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And after I got a phone, I went, oh, no. I feel like I'm... Uh-huh. I'm on the slippery slope of self-promotion. Pride comes before a fall. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Please don't judge me. I'm sorry, please. God, I don't know. Don't take it all away from me because I've been proud. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Talked for like 20 minutes to God, telling him, oh, God, please deliver me from self-promotion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then I sat down and I heard him speak. He says, you're kind. I said, what on earth does that have to do with the slippery sap of self-promotion, God? <laughs> but that's what he's like. We're, we're all beating ourselves up and he's there going, let me tell you what you really like. You're kind. You're patient. You're unselfish. You're full of love. You're full of power. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Because who you think you are is who you will manifest. So it's time for awakening in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Shake off the dust of the things that have tried to define you and wake up.